I got a feeling tonight we are really going to get our podcast off the ground because I got a couple ideas I'd like to blow past you, Dave. Are, are we uh, are we active live right we're, now? We're hot. Are we hot? We're should, hot. should we do a? Uh, I'm, I'm hearing seems like it's very tinny echo. A tinny echo. All right, let me see. Maybe because the room we're in. Probably the room we're in. Let me turn them down just a little bit. Maybe we're a little hot. Is that a little bit better? Or just maybe back away from the mic a little bit? No, that's that's actually better. And then, yep. again, that's another quality that I can, um, you, you know, with, with the program, like we can play with some of that sound. So, all right, let's get a couple things out of the way. Um, yeah, we're, we're firing it up tonight, and this is really going to be the beginning of podcast season. And, uh, I, I, you know, the last time we tried this, I, I called you Dave, and I called me Russ. Now, and we're two docks on a boat. I want to get a little housekeeping out of the way for anyone that actually is listening. If you want to get more of what's happening right now for yourselves, for your personal inventory, you go on the web to two docks on a boat.com. That's the number two docks on a boat.com. And, and what does that mean? Well, we're two docks. Okay. So, so. Speaking of docs, uh, the pharmaceutical industry, in the sense of uh, what we're uh, what we're drinking right now, is that pharmaceutical grade? Well, yes, mine is. Mine is because it stings a little bit, and that means I've got just the right mixture going. <laughs> I don't know if you feel that you understand that, but it is a, an adult beverage. You wouldn't give that to a child. Yep. And um, so why don't you take off on what you're thinking there? So are you thinking you want to give a little intro to who we are and how we got to where we are? I, I guess a little background on uh, each one of us. I'm uh, my, my area of medicine currently is occupational environmental medicine, uh, board certified in family medicine in um, medical school residency. Obviously, after that, I... Uh, uh, did some emergency medicine work, uh, a lot of strange, goofy stuff in the emergency medicine world. I think in, down the road we'll have a one of our guest speakers, uh, who happens to be my cousin, a guest, uh, talk about emergency medicine cases. And it's oppressive what people put in their body. Uh, but any event. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a that's a great show. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you got to be careful what you do with that. And... and um, that's that's kind of uh, kind of my background, Rusty. Your background, anesthesia. Yeah, I didn't like we talked about in the show. I um, or about to talk about in the show. I I didn't have any kind of traction in that whole primary care area. I I, I got kind of kind of lost in that talking. To you, you got smart. You went down the right path. Not so much the smart part as much as uh, the people. I didn't. It's interesting. You get to where you don't really like to talk to people. Well, medicine. I think that's a great point because I'm not a fan of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And you talk to most physicians. Uh, we don't really care for people. Yeah, I mean, it's people think that you become a doctor because you love people. But, you know, you can only hear about a guy's rash on his, you know. Rectum. Yeah. How many times can you hear that? You know what I mean? Or an itch or a... You know, yeah, or I've got this light bulb stuck in my rear end and I got to get it out. Right, and so I just right. now, I, okay, you come to me now. You did this last week. Right. And then it's like, why did you do it? Well, I don't know. I'm not really sure. But anyhow, 
So I just didn't really get into the talking part as much as I thought I would. I kind of like the technical part of it. I'm, I'm, uh, what is that? The left brain. I went left brain, hard left brain into medicine, and I like the science of it. So it was like a human laboratory. Like the people were like the rats, you know. And so you could do like experiments on them, but it was legal. You know what isn't? What is it? Jim Gaffigan talks about that. Why does the guy go into anesthesia? Because he likes to put people on drugs. Yeah, I mean that's. There's some truth in that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I get it. I get it. I yeah. enjoy watching them get kind of buzzed out and oh. telling me how cool it was. And, and my understanding that was really is, cool, it's, man. it's 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 not the 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 difficulty in the the specialty medicine for anesthesia is not so much putting them down. Everybody can put you down. Bring you back. Everybody can put you down. It's yeah. just bringing you back. That's where the big money's at. <laughs> the bringing back. Yeah, you don't bring them back. Reach down in the bowels of of despair and death, and you pull them out. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Bringing them back is where the payoff is, and if you don't, mm, your career is very short. It's not. <laughs> you don't. You don't get to do it for very long. So, yeah. So that's how I got into the anesthesia game, and then uh, I took it. You know. Um, Got got thirty years out of it. It's you know paid the bills and uh, yeah. I know enough other medicine to kind well, of do I, some I, sidebar stuff. I do a little practicing on the side. You know, just neighbor calls up. I used to have a neighbor. She was kind of uh, everything. You know, I got a kidney stone. Can you come over? Yeah, I go. Over I got there. a dog. You need to put down. Can she you asked come me over? To put her dog down one time and because uh, you know I got all the drugs and everything and I looked at the dog and the dog looked pretty good to me <laughs> I got hey how about I put you instead of the dog down I mean I, I kind of went back in the house and said you know I'm telling you honestly your dog doesn't look that sick and she said no she got in with a raccoon I think she's got like distemper I go but I'm she was just out there fetching I mean I, just, <laughs> I mean I threw a ball and she brought it back I just I think you're getting this euthanasia thing a little premature here so yeah, I picked up a few other skills along the way. Well, and I think over the years, you know, um, going back to our roots, if you look at the DNA, if you want to go down into the uh, genetic uh, wormhole, um, kind of your historical family coming, I know from Cleveland, but pretty much down in southeastern southern Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family is uh, part of it's down into the... Oh, kind of into the uh, Hatfield and McCoy, uh, Logan County, Logan, Ohio, Logan, uh, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good people. Good people. Hard to kill. They're hard to kill. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, if the apocalypse happens, those people are going to come up out of the holes like cockroaches. Yeah. They're hard to kill. Well, they're hardy. They're hardy. I believe that they've learned to live off of nothing. I mean, nothing. You, you got coal they, miners they don't need much. being down in a hole 10, 12 hours a day. And they come out, and what do they do? Instead of taking a breath of fresh air, they light up a lucky strike. Right. <laughs> that's right? exactly true. Yeah. So I mean, that's yeah. their lungs. Yeah. So yeah. I, you know, so in any event, I mean, you know, you look at the the medicine component. I think that's paid off well when our bush experiences mm-hmm. was adventure out into the wilderness, particularly up in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our experience. We've seen uh, some folks uh, not do so well out into the bush. They break. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, a couple I, softies we've seen. Yeah, one. yeah, I know. One time you broke a guy, pretty much broke him down, like a like a five year old schoolgirl. Well, that was really somewhat his own fault, though. I told him on that was a canoe trip, and I said to him very specifically, "Don't bring anything that you can't put in a wet bag that'll float." 
and he showed up wearing uh, high top sneakers and a, and a cloth gym bag. And the first set of rapids he went into, he jumped out of the boat. The boat flipped over, and he lost everything. And I think there was a bottle of Obsession uh, cologne. He had a a quart of Obsession for men with him that floated. We did retrieve that, and I don't know what kind of trip he thought it was that he would need that much cologne. And he was was an anesthesiology resident. He was. Yeah. Must be smart. Actually a fellow. He's a fellow. Yeah, a fellow, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Subspecialty in cardiac anesthesia. He was a bright fellow. So just didn't. But see, he didn't have that uh, thing you're talking about—that hillbilly fiber in him, that uh, acquired that ability. ATGC coding that says, "I will survive." Kind of like uh, you know, with uh, Hank Williams Jr. Uh, that song that he uh, he wrote about country boys can survive. Well, it's like I I heard an interview with Burt Reynolds one time on the Carson Show, and he said that uh, when they did. Uh, when they did uh, what's dueling banjos what was that movie deliverance deliverance he said the producer he and the producer went down to the bowels of west virginia where they did the filming and they went up to this one guy and he was this old dude and he was actually in the movie and uh he went up to him and they said you know we're looking for some local people that you know um We'd like to actually have you in the movie, even though you're not an actor, but we'd like to have you in the movie just to kind of for credibility and, and, uh, and authenticity. And they said, here's a couple lines. We wondered if you could read them, and, and uh, we'd like to kind of like audition you. And Burt Reynolds said the guy took the paper and looked at it, and he started talking, and he said neither one of them had any idea what he was saying. And uh, they looked at each other and went, he's hired, because like this guy's the real deal. <laughs> and he's the guy the scary looking guy in the movie that they keep flashing over to that's playing the banjo the one with the teeth and yeah the, toothless yeah. one-eyed albino banjo player exactly yeah that's him he's in the movie he's real he's not an actor he is a local whoa and they said that he was his authenticity was off the charts and they had to have him but they couldn't understand a word he said he was like he spoke like another language though it was english Absolutely. I, I, I have uh, or had an uncle, and uh, he uh, he uh, he worked hard, and he lived very hard. And when he would talk, it would be blah, 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 holler. Um, and great man. Uh, I remember one time he gave me a, just this, I don't know, it was like a, a nine-inch switchblade. Uh, totally illegal, uh, but he gave it to me for fun uh, when I was like, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old. Uh, but he—that's he, a good age to get a to a, get a switch blade. illegal switchblade. Yeah, I mean, I think you don't want to wait. <laughs> you don't want to wait too much longer. No, nah, he was a he was a great man. Yeah. Uh, the guy lived off the land. Uh, just just a rock solid dude, but you could hardly understand him. The language was really tough. Well, you know, we've talked a little bit about our deer hunting escapades, and I don't want to give away our exact GPS, but. We've made some notes, um, just mental notes, regarding the local talent where we hunt, that they have not only some... Uh, Dysmorphia? Vernacular, <laughs> vernacular variability. They, they have some physical uh, variability. Like, like a size, like 52, 22 pants? Yeah, I mean, you don't, see, you don't see a guy with a torso that's literally 
two thirds of his height. I mean, it's usually it's usually and more his, of a fifty fifty. Sometimes it, the legs are long, and his head's like the size of a pie plate. It's yeah. real thin. So when he's looking at you, you're looking at a pie plate, right? You, but, you, but you when look you, at him, but when you, you think, turn, you look at him, you think this guy's head's a beach ball. Yeah, but, but when, when he turns, it's thin as a pie plate. It's, <laughs> it's only a couple <laughs> inches thick, and uh, it's a very interesting thing that you add all these physical abilities, these. And yet hardy, a hardy group of people. But back to a little housekeeping. So we're two docks on a boat.com. Um, the number two, I want to emphasize it's the number two docks on a boat.com. And I was asking myself in the car driving up here today, I don't want to call you Dr. Dave. I think Dr. Dave, and I don't want to be Dr. Russ. It sounds kind of, you know what, what I mean? It, it sounds very. Uh... Dr. Phil. You Dr. Know, Oz. Dr. Oz. Yeah, we don't go down that we're road. Not, we're not doing physical exams on the line, you know. No. Pull your cheeks apart and put it up against the screen. I mean, that's not who we are. So yeah. we're Russ no. and Dave, Dave and Russ. Right, right. Which, which made me think of a movie that I wondered if you had ever seen. And? You know how in the, you know how in the 80s and 90s they had those stoner movies? Do you remember yeah. Bill and Ted's yeah. Great Adventure? Yeah, yeah. Have, have yeah. you seen that? I've seen a couple of those. I pulled that up a couple nights ago and started watching it. it did you know uh, Keanu Reeves is in that? Right. <laughs> That's, you have to be pretty whacked to really get into that movie. <laughs> did you ever get a little whacked out listening no, to a no, movie like that? No, no, I thought it was very bizarre. Yeah. But, uh, but you get what I'm saying, though. We're more Russ and Dave's great well, adventure than it, we are yeah. Dr. Dave and Dr. Russ. I don't yeah, think I don't think us. you, uh, you know, and I'm going to use a, a a big word for you, Rusty. Go for it. Bifurcate. <laughs> I don't think we're going to bifurcate uh, necessarily the mental capacity of physician versus hillbilly. Okay. Uh, we're bush medicine. Uh, the reality is, is where we're from, essentially, the uh, foothills, the plateaus of the Appalachia Mountains, uh, we do bush medicine. So we're bringing it on the fly. We're not, we're not trying to create any kind of organized uh, intellectual thing here, which I like that because I, I can't handle that. Okay, so we got that out of the way. So we're Russ and Dave, Dave and Russ. You know, Russ and Dave's Great Adventure. Uh, we're twodocsonaboat.com if you want to find this podcast. That's the number two, docsonaboat.com. And I want to get into what I would call the fall season of our podcast. We're, we're coming into fall right now. I have a story I'd like you to tell me in a minute. But on the way up here, I noticed the moon was quite bright and quite full. Did yeah. you pick that up? Yeah. Yeah. Lunar eclipse. What, yeah. What I want to know is, because I know you know these things and I don't know them. What's going on there? What is with the colors, the size? Blood moon. What is all that about? Well, that, you're getting in a little biblical smog? kind is of... Is that smog? What's, what's, what's creating all this activity? Well, it's just the rotational aspects of the moon, the earth, and the sun. I think what's fascinating is the moon rotates around the earth. Uh... While the Earth is rotating around the Sun, while the Earth is rotating, but the but the Earth, you never see, you only see essentially one side of the Moon. That's why they always talk about the far side of the Moon. We never see that. 
Well, how about when it rotates? Don't you see it when it goes back around? Or do no, you have to the, be somewhere else on the Earth to see the, the other The side? moon, is my understanding, the moon does not rotate. Oh. So we only essentially see one side of the moon. So when you talk about the back side of the moon or the dark side of the moon, the old Pink Floyd reference for you out there from uh, folks in uh, Tumwell, Iowa. Wow. Uh, you don't get that. So What's over there, I wonder? I mean, uh, Area 52 as opposed to Area 51. <laughs> I don't even know it. I mean, so like the like the space guys probably saw it. Yeah, there's a whole. But it's probably so there's dark a whole colony. It's probably, it. it's probably like a penal colony. <laughs> I mean, well, but wouldn't it be so dark you couldn't see anything if it was there? No, that's why they call it the Pink Floyd. Yeah, but why did Pink Floyd pick the dark side of the moon? Because it's the unknown. Because it's the unknown. Because there's a penal colony over there. <laughs> and by the word penal, I think I know what you mean, but I, I'm going to pass. All right. So, anyhow, I think, I think we uh, beat that up pretty good. <laughs> anyhow, anywho, um, it is fall. It is, uh, it, there's a great moon out there that has some composition that I don't completely understand. And that brought me back to deer hunting. And so, you know, we, we decided that the show is going to be about many things some of our life in medicine, some of our life fishing, and some of our life in hunting. And this time of year really makes me think about our deer hunting um, extravaganzas because it's we're getting close, right? It's the first Monday after, after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Is yep. it Monday or did they move it up to Sunday? Nope, first Monday after Thanksgiving every year in Ohio. You can is, shoot a gun. You, you can, can uh, deer season with the gun. And it's a bow season currently. Through Saturday or Sunday or what? You know, they've changed the... Uh, the, uh, the the days over the years, I, I, it's usually a week, but it could be more. It could be seven, eight, ten days. I don't know. Well, when I when I met you back uh, some thirty years ago, and you kind of invited me on one of the first deer hunting adventures with your with your hillbilly family, I remember we ended up on a place you guys called the High Ridge. Yeah. What is exactly the High Ridge? High Ridge is uh, down in southern Ohio. Um, Typically, it's a, it was it was a uh, an area where there was a lot of just deep crevasses, gorges. You're getting a lot of I hear that. Yeah, responses. I'll, I'll get from rid there. of that. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. And and one of the fingers or the edges of this uh, kind of this ridge was the highest point in the area, and it was called the High Ridge. And we used to go out there and hunt and camp and in uh, pitch a tent, you know, build a fire, kind of bush camp, uh, bush hunt. Um, never really into the uh four or five star kind of uh glamour uh hunting. can you have a five star deer, deer hunting experience? <laughs> i don't believe so i mean i i i've i've done some pretty bush deer hunting uh pretty bizarre but yeah. that's that's yeah, that's remember. a different rabbit I don't hole five star deer hunting opportunity now this is more like uh one half star hey go out on the ridge pitch a tent in uh you know build a fire camp uh wake up in the morning you know five o'clock in the cold uh and then head out down the ridge and you know get a spot to to uh make a stand and and hunt the deer there you go. so as i recall on one of these early expeditions you invited me and um i didn't have history with you guys and all of your experiences and so i i came um, slightly ill-prepared equipment-wise. And one, one of the themes of our experience over the years has been 
what I would call my lack of preparedness in equipment um, with regard to these various and sundry outdoor experiences we had. Do you remember that night when we made <laughs> camp? <laughs> and how cold it was? Well, it was pretty chilly. I don't think there was any snow on the ground, but I mean it was it was a it was cold enough to produce a pretty good frost and uh like what we what would you say? Twenty? I would say you you you're pretty you you you're pretty much of a pilgrim, uh when it came to hunting and in uh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it, cold so you know, we we pitch a tent, you know, simple tent. Nice uh, tent. Th- throw our bedroll out, get our in our bag. Typically we used uh kind of our go to was a US grade army uh, type sleeping bag, kind when of a mummy bag. When you say we, that was you and the family. That was that was my cousin uh, Apocalypse Paul, okay, and uh, Kevin, and uh, a few other. Right, I uh, didn't get relatives. the memo. I didn't get the memo. No, you got the memo from Walt Disney, which is bring your Little Mermaid bag, and uh, yeah, that kind of came up to your nipples, I think, exactly. and it, it just exactly. barely barely came up to your chest, and and uh, you pretty much froze the whole night, which well, was wasn't, which was a it, shame. It well, was it was a, it was basically. You remember that movie uh, uh, with uh, uh, Bill and Ted's Great Adventure? No, 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 no. It was uh, Anthony Hopkins and <laughs> The Edge. The Edge with the bear, with the bear, and Alec he's like Baldwin. Yeah, dying of shame. Yeah, yeah I have. A and lot. we've talked our We have two boys, um, and they're adults now, grown men. And uh, as as they were growing up, and we would take them on these adventures, we taught them what not to die of shame, shame, shame. Yeah, yeah. We didn't care if they survived. We didn't care about if they caught it, shot it, brought it. But don't don't die of shame out there. Don't uh, don't embarrass yourself. Well, I, I, that's what happened that night yeah. because, uh, <laughs> as I recall, he had a beautiful heater for the first part of the evening during the uh, early phase of the evening. Yeah, it was nice and warm in there. It was toasty. Just a small, one of your Coleman, simple Coleman uh, heaters. And then Um, I guess it was the routine not to leave it on. And uh, you you shut that down. And And you you woke up with your head stuck to the side of the tent. It was pretty well frozen. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I I made a decision. You got to start buying some equipment if you're going to roll with these characters because... uh, Otherwise, it's uh, it's pretty chilly. It's pretty chilly, and then it was there were there were varieties sleeping adventures that we've had, that being one of them. Um, how about the time we went down to your brother's cabin and tried to go to sleep? Uh, yeah, well, yeah well, that, funky there too. Yeah, that was weird. interesting. It was he had a cabin kind of uh, it was on a, a lake down there, and it was kind of way out in the bush. And he had this cabin built, and he bought it, and and it was just bare. Um, I mean, there were some cracks in the walls you could see through, so so the critters could kind of get in and out. And, what do you think he had wrapped up in that building that cabin? I mean, that wasn't what you'd call. Pure construction grade. That was a couple of hillbillies I, came in there and just kind of threw I up think a frame. He, I think he paid like five grand for five acres in that cabin. Oh, which nice. I mean, so, in, a, in a, all in all, it's not too bad. No, no. But, you know, when we camp out and we put put cots in there and kind of hung out there, we wake up in the morning and there's like, you know, um, scorpions. and uh, Yeah, there were some bad bugs in there. And uh, that couch... 
did you guys find that couch along the side of the road? I or? think we did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we did. And you, of course, slept in it. And had, uh, a, had a pretty nice colony of mice living in it. It's, it's like a built-in... Uh, but that wasn't there when we went down with, with uh, a few of the other guys, Brad and Mike. and Yeah. Yeah. And that's when uh, Brad, Brad wasn't happy with uh, his sleeping arrangements. He, uh, he put his cot in the center of the room. Yeah, woke up every 15 minutes with a flashlight looking around for the scorpions. <laughs> for something that was uh, moving. No, nah, it's, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then poor Mike, he was tucked away up in one of, the, one, of the, um, one of the bunk beds, and he woke up the next morning, and he looked like, um, he, looked like he got into a smallpox uh, vaccine situation where somebody had a, uh, kind of sprayed him with some kind of a disease he was pretty well covered in in red dots yeah he didn't have a clue he was hit the, either. He, yeah he had the pox yeah he was ate up it was it was pretty nasty yeah um but yeah it was it was a good time survived yeah. did that some fishing good. did some fishing yeah yeah mentioning fishing we go on another trip back to sleeping arrangements i don't know why i got off on sleeping arrangements in the car today but i started thinking about all of our sleeping arrangements we go to Canada one time. We fly in on a plane. Beautiful place. Um, got our our buddies there again, Brad. And uh, who told us about the people dying, about the guy that died? How did we find out a guy died? Oh, the that week, was... The uh, week before. Yeah, that was... Uh, Up at Dearden. Dearden Lake. How did Mike we know and, a guy died? Well, because the guys that would... When they flew us in, the guys getting on the plane, they said the plane, mm. the, the boat... Uh, playing the crew before, they had four old old dudes that uh, came in there and uh, and one of them had a heart attack and died. <laughs> and the thing about this boat service, uh, plane boat service, is they'd only fly in once a week. And so they wrapped him up in a sleeping bag, stuck him in the bunk, but he started stinking after a couple of days. So mm. they hauled him up on the roof and, mm. and garbage uh, bags ke- kept him uh, sleeping bag kept him up there a couple bags. of days, keep the bears away from him, and then hold him out. But uh, yeah, the bunk that he was in, we called it the dead man's bunk. Yes, yes. And did he know that right off, or did we tell him that after the fact? Who, because, Brad? Yeah, uh, I, I don't wouldn't. think we knew that right off, but we kind of just. <laughs> theorize that it was the dead man's bunk i don't think he would have slept there if he would have known the aura of the dead man and any excrement that may have come out of him during now, there the- was some there was some bad juju in that place yes I, I i walked out of there with a with a fungus on my face <laughs> and when i grew my beard it was like white all white right there and it was there for about, whew, about Years. two months no, it was about two months. Was it two, two three, months? Yeah, about two, three months. Seemed like it was an odd, it was an odd grayness. Yeah, you, it's just it was a bad fungus. I mean, there was some funky stuff in that did place. You, did you have to use a, a an actual antifungal cream to end that, or was it? Did it? No, I put some. I put some uh, pharmaceutical grade. Um, that didn't just go away on its own. No, terbenazole. How'd you yeah. know it was fungus? I just, I don't know, it just looked fungus. I mean, you know, dermatology, come on. The dermatologists, they don't have a clue what's going on. Dermatologists, they either slap corticosteroids on it or slap antifungal cream on it. And then if it's still around, let's get a biopsy. That's that's the residency of a dermatologist. How long is the residency, then? It's got to be like four weeks. 
No, it's I mean, not. I think it's like four years. It can't be very long because dermatologists, I mean, just like, okay, that's a rash. I mean, okay, what do you do with a rash? Well, let's put some steroid cream on it. Let's put some antifungal cream on it or maybe a combination of both. Wet it, dry it, wet dry it, dry it, dry it, wet it. it and then uh, let's, let's, co- it. let's core it out and take a biopsy. <laughs> You know, I don't know, dude. I I really believe they go for like three or four years. Yeah, and they like see four weeks and it, every day. Four and, weeks, and they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like you know, I go through my residency. It's it's uh, three years. Right. Uh, right. You know, and they go four weeks. Right. If that, I mean, it's like everything they do, they just can go down to CVS and just pick up their supplies and head into work and. Treat itchiness. Yeah. Or, or if, you know, typically most dermatologists, at least what I know, is they have this canister. It's almost like this Wild West scenario where they're walking around with this, you know, this... this. Uh, I actually uh, had that out. I just this, did that not too long the ago. Clint, the Clint Eastwood kind of, you know, uh, uh, or, or a John Wayne you know, gun belt on with a canister of liquid nitrogen. Yeah. And they walk, they walk around with this and they pull that out and... Psh, you know, freeze everything. Yeah, it looks bad. It looks like an AK. And then it's like twenty five bucks a hit to yeah. to uh, cut the thing off after it. Free- I just mm-hmm. went through that about six months ago. Yeah, for, yeah, the AK thing for for you folks out there. It's actinic keratosis, which is a precancerous lesion going into possibly squamous cell. What do you think they're like frustrated sharpshooters? <laughs> it's like, it's like no, this, they just know this, that every time they squeeze their... that trigger, they put mu- the, the 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 pockets it's... in the back of the room jingles. They can hear the cast register ching ching ching. That's why they have vacation properties in yeah. exotic yeah. places. Yeah, Who, at, find a dermatologist doesn't have a resort somewhere or a big boat or a big cigarette boat or pontoon boat or some sort of a. Uh, second, third home. You're exactly right, too. My guy had it like in a holster. He he actually just kind yeah, of carried put, it with him and, and freeze it. He said, "Like, uh, what do, what do you need today?" And uh, I said, "Well, I got this thing here." And he hit it. And I go, "And I got one here." And he hit it, and then like another one, another one. And then I got the bill, and it was like six thousand uh, dollars. Surgical <laughs> excisions of uh, senile keratosis, something or other. Yeah. And yeah. he told me actually none of it really needed to come off, but if it made me feel better, fine. And yeah, and I just needed to make a payment on my BMW. <laughs> and now I'm I'm free of those things. You're free those of those blemishes. Yeah, yeah, those big lesions. Now nah, dermatology. Yeah, and 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 they're so busy, right? I mean, you can't get into them. It's, wait, wait, it, I don't get that either. It takes three to six months to get in to see somebody to look at this this bowl on your back that you could probably pay 25 cents to go downtown and have a rat show it off and right. get the same success right yeah you ask them is any of this cancer no no well no. then why am i here what yeah we well doing? we're going to take that off we're going to freeze it or we're going to cut it off yeah okay very good so dermatology All right. yeah that's well, the thing to go to do not do any of the primary going to dermatology yeah you don't want to you don't want to get into that primary care thing you know what happened to me with primary care i think i've told you that story i don't know if you remember it or not but uh i wasn't what you would call fascinated with primary care when i was in in medical school and um i end up with this very nice husband and wife team that have a place and i'd already gotten my residency in anesthesiology and I was on the phone most of the time, kind of setting up, getting a car and, you know, finding a house for me and the family and everything. And I really wasn't seeing the patients very much. I wasn't really into it. And at uh, lunchtime, the guy came over to me and said, you don't need to come back after lunch. 
Have I ever told you this? No. Yeah. Did he, did he fire you? Yeah, fired me right there. <laughs> and he said, uh, what, what did you do? He said, no, he did. He walked up to me and he said, so after after lunch, just don't come back. And I got, I went, for today? And he went, no, forever. <laughs> and it was like, I had like four weeks left <laughs> to finish medical what you, school. What did you do? I went home. And I, I walk in, and there's Melinda with the kids. And what are you, what are you doing home? Why are, why are you at home? And she, I said, I, I think I just got fired from my rotation in family practice. And she went, what do you mean? And I go, yeah. She goes, well, what's going to happen? I go, I don't know, but if I don't figure it out, I don't think I'm going to graduate. And uh, so to say the least, she wasn't very happy with me. And... Um, I sat down and wrote a long letter of apology, and uh, it was heartfelt, um, and I sent it to them, and they didn't respond. Really? Nothing. I didn't know anything about this. Oh, no, no response whatsoever. Did you find out why? Did you ever find out why? Yeah, yeah. They said I was completely told the director of the program I was completely disinterested in what they were teaching. I never. Well, sure you are. Everybody's disinterested in family medicine. <laughs> was... Nobody wants to go into family medicine. I mean, all all they. I mean, were... what do you got? Bunions, warts, hemorrhoids. <laughs> you got hypertension, diabetes, uh, I mean, COPD. These old people kept coming in, sitting down, and showing them all these blemishes, and and you know, and, and getting these blood pressure pills. And after like two of them, I'm like, I get it. I'm done. I don't need. To do it all day and uh and that's what they do all day so i called i called the director of the program and i said you know i, I think i got fired today and i said so i wrote a letter of apology what should i do and and the secretary said well let's wait a couple weeks and see what happens and i'm like you know a couple weeks i mean i'm supposed well, to graduate you know and she called me one day and she said yeah they sent your evaluation and it said uh passing like with reservation Complete lack of interest. Um, <laughs> yeah. Complete, okay. What's your point? Complete, complete lack of uh, contribution to the cases. Um, you know, uh, no effort applied whatsoever to the to the rotation, but knowledge base is there, so we would give a pass with with a reservation, and that's how I finished medical school. <laughs> And it confirmed for me that uh, primary care is not not where my, I'm at. Yeah. not my area, not no. my area. All right. Well, we're kind of kind of getting to the end of what we might call our first uh, time slot here. All right. Well, I think we should bring this down, and uh, I'm going to play our music and uh, give one last reminder of info at two ducks on a boat dot com. Email us, and uh, we would like to uh, have more opportunities to get out here and do some of this stuff so uh here we go and this is russ and dave back at you what do you think we'll be back maybe a couple weeks yeah i don't see why not maybe after deer season i'd like to talk about some pre and post surgical complications all right all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. like that. Yeah. And, uh, and let's see if anybody gets a rash at yeah. your camp this year. By the way, folks, before you leave, never go in the hospital alone. Always go with somebody. Tip for the day. <laughs> okay. And uh, that's it. And we'll talk to you next time.
And so we're going to keep recording here.